Welcome to episode 39 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler, along live the Cowboys. What's up, people of the NFP podcast world? We got the boys back together. The whole gang's rolling. Jason Davidson, how you doing, buddy? First, we'll start with you. ALT. Sorry, I had to skip last week there. Was it last week I skipped? Well, you were here for the intro. You were you were here for the intro. You just missed the interview was last I? time. As hey. well as you missed the interview this time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry. Sorry. I'd like to get in there and listen to Ross's stories. Did you guys ask him who is who the number one bull rider was in his opinion? I don't know oh, if yeah. we did or not. Did we? Yeah. Did we? Tim Sharp. Sure. Oh, no, we're ruining eh? the interview. We're ruining the fucking interview. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> hey, I got, a, I got so number 39, A old Dougie Waite. And yeah. um, Scott just brought something up prior. We're approaching one year anniversary, eh? We'll have to have a big shindig. Deal. I like yeah. shindigs. And if it and if it's any consolation, I was number 39 for the East Central Hornets. Right <laughs> <laughs> East Central Hornets. That sounds like a cheap porno. Yeah. <laughs> well, You've been every you know. number. You've been every number for them, I think. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Scott Bird, what are you doing? Got you back. How's things, buddy? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Racing around, getting this fall stuff done. And uh, made her back from... Uh, I guess, I don't know when this will air. So, yeah, made her back from Calgary, uh, minus a fucking damaged van and a coyote and <laughs> everything else. Uh, it took the long trip. My my number one fan neighbor, Levi uh, Black, he was with me, and uh, good thing he had a CAA plus on him. So, we, it was a long trip. But, hey, man, we, we made her, and all's good. Long story short, you smoked a coyote with your van Brigini and totaled the fucking thing off right you fill the people in on the way to yeah. calgary to the pbr canada cup series scott had some vehicle troubles yeah i did i hit a i think it was a rather large coyote i'm gonna say a wolf just so it sounds <laughs> more manly um but yeah levi and, and myself sat on the side of the highway and so the van's still in swift current saskatchewan don't know what's going on so we'll see what happens hopefully they total the fucking thing off <laughs> Well, let's get right off into that. Probably off the off the hop is the Canada Cup series that we've been rolling through. Uh, last one was two weeks ago, so we got Medicine Hat to talk about as well as Calgary. Scott, you were in the hat, right? You were both did them both. We all rolled those those ones. Uh, Medicine Hat, great bull riding. Calgary again, great bull riding. Dakota Butter uh, takes the event in Calgary. Zane Lambert takes the event. In Medicine Hat. Any highlights? What stands out for you guys? Great events, both of them. I think. JD. Oh, how, yeah. I, what a great building in Medicine Hat. Um, yeah, I think those fans, sweet. they were engaged. You know, they really come through. We sold on the promoter side of it. It's, it's never easy waiting to see what you're going to do at the gate. And, um, you know, they finished hard. We did 25% of our sales day of huge walk up, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, I was happy. Uh, I think the I'm really impressed with our talent in Canada right now in the bull riding game. 
Um, that was always a concern for me, you know, with, with COVID and the guys not coming up, but these guys have stepped up, you know, and going into Saskatoon this weekend, Yorkton, and then into Edmonton with all that money, like these guys want it. And you can tell that, well, how about the championship round in Calgary? Would we ride six out of 10? Yeah. You know, 60% in a championship round. That's, that's awesome. I, I agree with you 100%. Not only are the veterans clicking right now, um, Zane Lambert, uh, you know, Dakota better than that, but these young guys are stepping up to the plate. That Chad Hartman, he pre- he impresses me. Um, we got some new blood coming in, the changing of the guard, so to speak, and uh, kids are kids are really doing it. So it's nice to see our future is bright here in Canada. Speaking of Chad Hartman, uh, listener of the podcast, uh She's fucking crunch time, buddy. Looking at the standings right now, number 21 in the Canadian national standing. So he's got Saskatoon and uh, Yorkton to, to get up into that top 20. couple injury-looking things maybe in that top 20. So good sneak in. But Oh, time, yeah, that's just not that something, too. You're right. Um, oh, Todd Cutowitz, big move in, in Medicine Hat, which he needed. I know uh, his new wife, Catherine, was quite relieved. She's been helping us out with uh, – the COVID protocol and testing um, behind the scenes. So we had a little visit there in Calgary and she was uh, very excited to, to know that she will be coming to Edmonton and it won't be just to do her job. Yeah. That's nice to see. Yeah. Really good. One of the good guys of the sport too, you know, one of the nice guys and fucking one that you want to see have success all the time. So good for Toddy. Jared Parsonage's ways kind of continue. Bucked off a few there the last couple uh, weeks. Uh, Ashton Sully was the guy that really impressed me in Calgary. Fucking Calgary. Oh, yeah. He let it all hang out. Austin Beasley was yeah, back behind the shoots, and he was asking who this uh, who this kid was. And I was like, he's fucking rides good, and he's gritty. And he showed it both fucking times. Long round fight straight to the bitter end, then short round sticks it all over hot tamale, which is when we've talked about it's not easy to ride. And, Lays it all on the line every time. I think that kid. Yeah, I I agree. <clears throat> That's I think I mentioned it on a previous pod when I went out to Czar Lake. That's where I really, you know, noticed the 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 try that kid has. Like he's going to be a bull rider, no question. Yeah, and then he got on. He had he double entered at um, at Josh's event there and double I can't, quadruple yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that he got no it. that's what I told him I actually called him and I said yeah you know what you have nothing to prove you don't need to be doing that there's lots of bull riding left here I just didn't want to see him that's just what happens is kids they want it so bad and and but at what expense to your yeah. to your body and to your to your career so and Jared Parsonage uh of course, not like him. He's starting good rides. He's just not finishing them off, you know. Which is not bit. Jared Parsonage, is it? No. Like, and what a what a <laughs> shitty time to have kind of a slump come along. But what was the saying? I forget what a, one of our one of our interviewers said. Uh, you can't have a comeback without a slump. So you know, no time like the present. So he'll probably well, go win Canada. Gonna... He'll probably go to the CFR and win Canada yeah. next week. That's easy. That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Guys like that. Or Crew maybe he'll just top. turn out. Maybe he'll turn out and come to Yorkton because he needs some very valuable points. Yeah, did the money get cut Since even more at the CFR now? Is that true? Oh, yeah. yeah. That is, yeah. hey? Fuck. Oh, yeah. I wonder what they're riding Same for around. 
Well, I think it's 5, I, isn't it? I think I figured it out. If they 40% it win every round and the average, I don't think you can come out of there with more than 35,000, oh, which well. in the day would have been 70 grand, 75,000 if you cleaned up, right? Win everything. No, yeah, it's tough times. It's so. tough times. But yeah, they kind of dropped it on those guys last week stock contractors and the contestants. Um, yeah. So looking at points going into Edmonton, yep. it's anybody's game. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a, a max of 20 points per round, four rounds, plus a hundred points in the average. So oh, 180 yeah. points. Um, plus this weekend, we've got another hundred. What do we got? hundred for this weekend, three rounds, 45. Yep. 115 available. And then let's not leave out Yorkton, Yorkton 60 points available. Yep. And some key guys that yeah. are hot right now. Jordan Hansen, Coy Robbins. It, that's going to be a real important event for those guys. There, Speaking of that, Coy Robbins, there's another kid that's finally, uh, hopefully, made her through the woods. And Matt, oh, yeah. he, had a, he had a rank bull ride there on uh, uh, Saturday in Calgary. And, and the way he was before. And Well, what about had, the one he just about made on Uncle yeah. Cranky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, good, good to see. He's so. he's never he's never hid the fact that he's fought with it mentally and physically, obviously. But uh, good to see him coming around again and a smile on his face and doing yep. what he loves to do and making some some go at it, some points. So, see you guys. Um, click. Let's like talk that. about the number one guy though. Whom? Butters. Whom? Dakota <laughs> Butter. Who's that guy? Who's, Who's that? Is he new? Ninety six <laughs> points ahead, which is. Doesn't sound like a ton of points right now, but it's a full event. you know what? Strong finish here in Saskatoon. He can really put himself in a position. Um, but, you know, in saying what I just said, there's only one guy that can move to number one after Saskatoon, and that's the Wiley veteran. Lambertier. Lambert. Fucking eight. 15 yeah. times. You know what? That never gets old hearing that. When Brett Gardner announces that, mm-hmm. the only guy to qualify for all 15 it's pretty impressive That's and right yeah and yeah. riding like he's freaking 18 again you know yeah. that's the best part that i like just to when i'm interviewing him and stuff i just it's phenomenal how he is riding right now at this point in his career at 35 years old you know that's uh, so cool to see so I'm staying I, I up till six in the morning, morning, not giving a fuck. Right? <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> you know what? And, and and you cannot count a guy like Zane Lambert out when you get to Edmonton. You know, look at what he no, did. Fuck no. He scooped, yeah. you know, it was broad Ra- Brock Radford's title to win in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And, and was it 18? No, 17. Sorry. Yeah, 2017. And Zane just come kind of out of nowhere. There's enough points. And he just, he, I believe he rode three out of four, and guess yep. who gets the buckle? You know what? That, and that being said, with, most points. with that being said, last year at uh, Grand Prairie, mm-hmm. he, you know, other than his injury, he was knocking on the door again, was he not? Yeah, yeah and he yeah. had no fucking oh, yeah. shoulder. Yeah, he had no shoulder at that time yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of injuries, you know who I uh, hope we get to see back this weekend is Nick Tetz. He's know, gonna, it'd be real yeah. interesting to see where he'd be in this race right now if he was healthy mm-hmm. um we've talked about nick's style and how uh how well he rides bulls i'm i really hope he can get back this weekend yeah. um, 
unfortunate injury you know, concussion and yeah some other underlying stuff too that spleen. came along with the concussion yeah, he's and, got a yeah yeah it's bad spleen, which yeah. and and uh, i had a visit with him in calgary it's not about you know getting bucked off hard and stepped on again that's the concern with the spleen like it he could land on his feet and re-injure and yes yeah, yeah. so yeah. uh I haven't touched base with him this week. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear something by tomorrow, though. Yeah. No, with all that said, uh, I get the sneaky feeling that maybe somebody stayed up till 6 a.m. Uh, Saturday night in Calgary. I don't know. Am, am I wrong there or what? What? I get the feeling that there was <laughs> sneaky weasels involved. Or, hey, y'all. So I know who didn't stay hey, up till 6 guess, who, guess what? <laughs> guess what? Who didn't stay up till 6, though? I went to sleep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but papa burn papa burn took his place the rest of the boys did though yeah <laughs> yeah we had old uh we had right by there father ryan telling good stories from the day and prescott he's a he's a ty prescott's kind of a historian of rodeo and bull riding in general so when you get oh my god couple guys like that rolling, oh yeah at a high volume yeah when you hey get a couple speaking guys of uh speaking of ty prescott we got to give a shout out to his dad barry yeah and uh raise some of the best bucking bulls here in our industry and truly one of the good guys uh he is in for a tough go here so anybody that knows barry out there any of our listeners send him a text he is going to be spending the next six months in the foothills hospital um they amputated his leg he's yep. he's had a ton of pain with that uh oh, for years yep. and finally they got him in um and they got to keep him in they're concerned obviously about the infection and whatnot so um i shot him a text and uh <clears throat> You know what? We need to stay in touch with Barry. He's been listening to the pod. He's kind of got on this. He's got you know a little bit of time on his hands. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, six months. Please. So, and you if guys anybody reach out, reach out to Barry and and let him know you're thinking about him. One of the good guys. Jason, you said it. If anybody doubts um, the heart size of Barry Prescott, you know when Braden got hurt this spring, he was the first guy in the vehicle that followed that ambulance all the way into Calgary, 45 minutes, waited while we got our shit figured out. And took us back. I mean, the guys, he's unreal. He's a great guy. You know what I've heard? I've the heard that house. was one handy. I heard that was one handy son of a buck in his day, too. That Barry As in Prescott. Fight if you were ever in a pinch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah well, we I'm sure his fucking son anybody? comes by his fucking life pretty honestly. Well, I, Prescott, yeah. I was going to say. I was going to say you plant a potato, you get a potato, right? So Okay, so any of our listeners out there, if you know some Barry Prescott stories, please reach out to one of us. Yes. We'd like to get some action-packed <laughs> stories about BP. I just want to reiterate, Barry is so excited to be rid of that leg. So if anybody's yeah. feeling sorry for him, he is oh, yeah. the happiest man in the world. He has lived in so much pain for so long. He just wanted rid of that. So, hey, it's like a new start for him. He'll, he'll, he'll get that prosthetic leg and just be ripping around the parking lot, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he'll be good to go. But good for him. Glad they finally got it done. If, if our listeners haven't went back and listened to the Ty Prescott episode, one of our very first ones, and kind of got a, uh, a gist of his life, um, listen to that one and then think of all of us fucking hooligans at a young age at – at their house and bucking bulls and 
Oh man, <laughs> Pal Pazban, Patton, Brock, full crew. Yeah. The shit that Barry's seen and been through with his, with the us young guys, and then what he's been through himself. He's a he's a saint, that's for sure. <laughs> Good man. I I got the pleasure of staying with Barry this spring. I stayed at his house, and Braden and all those guys stayed at at uh, Ty's trailer. But I jokingly said to Barry when before I got there, I said, there better be a fucking mint on my pillow. And when I got, when I got there to go to bed that night, there was a Boston pizza, you know, which is a little mint on my pillow. So yeah, he takes good care of a guy. That's yeah. for sure. Hey, um, how about the bull power in the championship round in Calgary? Yep. So that's a couple good. of losers, eh? Yep. To me. Uh, that six thirty six sixty three Norse God is is oh, becoming that's a one of my fucking favorites. good one. Yeah, that's when you want. Yeah, and yeah, I like them. And a little bit. Like eh? It's not super big. I think he's still no. young. Yeah, he's pretty young. Just should have been out. a ninety, in my opinion. If any of the judges are listening right now, <laughs> um, <laughs> should have been. Should have been. In, in fact, box. one, one of them did have one of them did have a mark to be ninety. One didn't. I won't mention names. <clears throat> Ryan Byrne. Um, <laughs> so uh, and uh, Uncle Cranky, they split the honors. Uncle Cranky, formerly known as Gifted of the Nansen Bone Firm. Yep. Um, couple bucky buggers getting a little smarter too that bull uncle cranky used to you know formerly known as gifted just dig it in the door to the right and just keep bucking and you know and now he's switching it up went back to the left there when he was getting rode so it's cool to see those bulls as they progress get smarter start feeling for guys switching it up going both ways even norse god usually right in the door to the left he got rode a couple times with yeah. Dakota butter about six seconds switches it up goes back right i've never seen that bull do that so it's good to see these bulls Oh yeah, move ahead too. Hey, that bull, yeah. Dakota made a rank bull ride there. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty good. Pretty good bull rider, Dakota Butter. He'll stick it on a few. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> we should get him. All oh, right, we already do. He is a three D <laughs> bull ride athlete. Yeah, I think like oh yeah, most plug, of plug. Um, hey y'all, Southern Ice Teas. Hey y'all, Southern Ice Teas. <laughs> Our tea is always iced and hard. This vodka-based iced tea is brewed with genuine black tea and lightly sweetened. Enjoy a Hey Y'all Southern Iced Tea while taking in the main bull riding event or sipping a cold one on the porch. Hey Y'all Southern Iced Tea is the official refreshment beverage of the NFP podcast. Jason, I know you got to um, skin it here at some point, but before you do, I want to get into the Canada Finals. We'll have another episode before the PBR Canada Finals, but we won't have another episode before the PBR World Finals. So big news on that front. Um... Jose Vitor Lemme fighting his groin injury, abdominal injury, uh, going to come back for the finals to see how that goes for him. Boudreaux Campbell takes the last event in Lincoln, Nebraska, moves mm-hmm. himself up in the standings. Uh, there's still the Velocity Tour finals to, to hash out who's going to be at those finals. But I want to get your picks. World champion, here's my thing. I think Jose is going to come back, ride Oof. a couple rounds, maybe one or two rounds, enough to clinch the world title, and then he'll, be, he'll sit out the rest of it and get healed up for next year is my opinion i think he's got the world championship pretty much knocked out do you guys agree on that what do you think on that well i'm i'm gonna i'm yeah i'm not very good at picking these obviously because well i suck at it but hey well you guys coming to sit to edmonton dale will be joining us in edmonton dalen's back up in the uh, top uh where's he at i just yeah yeah, he's he's got a long ways to go but don't count that you know who i don't want to 28 he's making the world finals at least yeah, you know who I don't want to count out that's in the mix there is Cooper Davis. I really mm-hmm. think that, um, you know, with the injury that, that Jose has, um, 
there's room for him to move around there too. Yeah. He's 600. Kaike 600 points behind, and Cooper is 749 points behind. Yeah, so. I'm going to go with Cooper too. Yeah. You know, former guest. Got to root for a guest, yeah. right? I'm thinking yeah. he'll, uh, what he'll do is he'll come in there with, with something to prove. And that'll be probably your world finals event champion. He'll let it all mm-hmm. hang out and get as close as he can. And that's a good guy, I think, to pick for a world finals win. Who else do you guys think? Who do you think's gonna who's your world finals event champion gonna be? I think Cole Bobbis do. Yeah, there you go. I was gonna go through yeah. the list. Yeah, Boudreaux Boudreaux wins it last year. Boudreaux coming off a win. He seems to step up in those uh, pressure situations. Dalton Castle, another guy. I think Dalton will win a few rounds. He's got that style to to hammer out round wins, kind of like a stormy wing was. He'd always win a, a couple rounds at the world finals. Uh Jesse Petri, that rookie of the year race is really cool. Any of these Brazilians are through the roof. Um, could win. Eli Vasbinder coming in riding hot. Um it's really anybody's game, but Kobaba always seems to fucking kill it at the finals. He always does good. He's always the top 10 bull rider. He's very underrated for how good that guy rides bulls and how long I he's agree. been doing this and being, being yeah. at the top level. So Kobaba's in there. Uh, yeah. Who's your pick? Are you taking Kobaba, Jason? Yeah, I will. Scott? No. If Kobaba's listening, he owes us a trip up here for me picking him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about Dalton? You think he yep. can do it? Fucking a. He's he's he with, he's been I'll injured the last couple of events. We took him off, but hopefully that's just precautionary, and he's saving it up for the finals. Come in there hot. Yeah, I'll go with him. Okay, I'll go with him. Okay, I'll go Cooper. This Davis. is for event, right? Just the event win. Yeah, the mm-hmm. World Finals event win. Okay, I'll take Cooper Davis, but I think okay. it's going to be really good. There's a bunch of guys riding really good right now. Uh, Jason, I think your bulls front runner for bull of the world. Right now, barring no he doesn't fall down, hit his head, something crazy happened at the World Finals with his two trips. Don't forget about that, buddy. Anybody's game at the finals, riding solo, look out. Here he comes. Nice. Are you saying I don't have a chance? I don't, you might, Scott. I don't know. You could. Hey, there's always a chance. <laughs> always a chance. He's like going. Screwed up, Raiders so going. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. He's going. Okay. Oh, well. Hockey's back in full uh, in full action. How's things uh, on that end, Jason? Lots of people like to hear about your hockey side of the world, your guys, the drama within it. How's things going on that, the NHL side of things? You guys have been rolling. How's Bear doing with his yeah. new team? Good, good, really good. He's loving it there. They're liking him. Um, good crowds in Carolina. Vegas has been sold out. Chandler's having a heck of a start. It's two wingmen are down, Pacioretty and Stone. So that's been a tough go for the Golden Knights. But um, that's allowed Curtis Lecician's son, Jake. You know, Curtis, yeah. a good, you know, good man. Um, been a judge for PBR events, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. So he's been playing. He played his fourth game. And looking, he's an NHLer. So that's, that's great to see. Um, Chandler stepping it up. Um, Connor Ingram, our goalie from Imperial SAS, played his first game, got yeah. the win for Nashville the other night. That was huge, huge. If you guys follow Connor Ingram on, on Twitter, the guy is a he's a card. Man, really? I'm telling you. He's quoted, he's like his first his first pro game in the American Hockey League in the East Coast. First shot, it was the puck went in. Yeah. So he actually quoted, he goes, I was just expecting the first shot to go in because that's 
kind of how it's went for <laughs> <you> me. <go. laughs> yeah, but he's a card though. He is. Yeah, and he, and again, he's a bull riding fan too. He always sends me clips when he's. I don't know if those guys are on TikTok. With Imperial him. Saskatchewan, you said. Yes, sir. The metropolis yes, of sir. Imperial. Okay, boys, I love you both. Okay, I got Skinner. a jump. Okay, I got Sounds a Skinner. Good. Okay, Scott, um, uh, former guest of the show. Braden Shen, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but about seven seconds into the season, takes after Kadri after um, last season ends. Kadri uh, wrecked out one of their players. Braden Shen steps up to the plate for the boys and and uh, takes him on in a battle. So pretty good to see him. That guy turning into one of my favorite hockey players. He can score, he can skate, he can do it all, and he can fight and loves to play that side of the game too. So all-around player. Becoming a pretty big fan of that guy. Yeah, right on. I He kind of... He maybe watched me play for the East Central Hornets, but uh, I was pre- <laughs> sorry. Uh, pretty well-rounded player there at that time, but no, I know that's awesome. The best part is, is that you know, you kind of we kind of know him through Jason and, and his mom and dad across the street from Jason, so it's even better when you can, you know, shake the guy's hand and yeah, fucking and uh, say good job, right? So Josh Manson gets his first goal of the season, snipes one from the fucking point there Wednesday night, uh, Tuesday night against uh the winnipeg jets uh they've been having a little bit of hell finishing games they've been up the first like three games of the year and lost them in the last minute or so of the game so hopefully they get that shit lined up pretty quick that'd be a fucking kick in the nuts for that to happen over and over so uh that's pretty good that's uh probably get us through our hockey aspect of the show another bull riding in bull riding news jess lockwood announces after the first round last weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska, which was his first one back after a long time of being out with a bunch of different injuries that he once again is shutting it down for the season, calling it. Yeah. You know, I had, I was traveling back with Aaron Roy this weekend uh, due to my, Oh, why did you have to hop in with Aaron? (laughs) Well, due to my coyote killing episode, but anyway, I, I don't know. I don't want to put it out there. And I mean, you can do what you want with this comment, but I seriously think that Jess Lockwood has accomplished all he has or all he's wanted to in this sport, two-time world champion at a very young age. I think he wants to raise bulls and stay home, you know, and, and maybe take bulls to bull rides. I don't know. You get that feeling or am I way off track here? Well, I definitely think that he's, he's a different Lockwood than he was when he had that huge, like winning streak of winning the world championships. And like you say, you know, once your cup is full, it's kind of hard to to keep rolling and keep that momentum going and push yourself to keep wanting to do more when you've already done it all type of thing. But I, mm-hmm. I do think it's, you see him on there and he's really, he's really training and he's really pushing that he really wants to get back and how much he loves the sport and misses the sport. So I think that it is a lot to do with injury and it's great for, people like us to talk about when there's drama within it right um yeah within his within his bull riding career but i think if he can actually get healthy and he can get back to where he feels healthy and uh, good on the back of a bull and i think a lot of it is he's a guy that's been so good that even when he comes back and maybe things aren't going that great he still thinks that something's wrong like there's something still fucked up within it and it might just take, you know, obviously there's injuries, but 
when you're when you're not riding like you know that you can, you start fighting that. And you're like, what the fuck? There's got to be something going on. There's got to be something else fuck right. going on. Or I'm not 100 healthy and all that shit. So there's a lot of obstacles that he's gonna have to overcome. If anybody can do it, it's gonna be him. Um, and I hope that I hope that he does because that guy is kind of the the Connor McDavid of of bull riding. He's one of the the best, and you know, is probably the best at, at doing it. Jose Vitor Leme, you could put in that category as well, but. You know, there was nobody that could beat Lockwood when he when he's on his game. So I really hope that he does come back because he's such a fun guy to watch and a good guy all around. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I like I like that side of things that you just spoke about. It's we talk about the mental part of riding bulls and the physical part and all that, but it's kind of wild how you can be a two time world champion and you know you're coming back from injury and you're fighting it because you want to be you know, at right that at the top level again, again right yep. away. Yeah. Like it's, it's such a, it's such a mental kick in the nuts sometimes when you should be able to just be right back up there. But like we, you know, we talked about, we talk about that lots on the, on the pod here is that you just, your mind is such a good, bad thing. You know, you can either let it be good or bad and mm-hmm. work against you. But um, I I'm with you. I, you know, I hope it's, I hope he does come back and shoot for number three. And um, but that being said, I, I kind of get the feeling that maybe, hey, been there, done it, and not 100% into it anymore, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, and the only reason we talk about him is because of, of how good he is. You know what I mean? If it was somebody else or yeah, a guy that was just a, like me, if that was happening to me, nobody would even fucking know it. But it's fucking Lockwood, right? It's the, the two-time world champion. It's the fucking pinnacle. You expect so much out of him. So and I think that's a big play on yeah. it, too, is the – the media and everybody expecting so much out of them and you win all that stuff when you're so young and then everybody expects you to just win the world every year right it's not even if you have an average year if you're fifth in the world people are still like oh something's wrong with them something's fucking going on right and i think he's getting sick of all that stuff and that's part of being the best being like a michael jordan right you have to fucking get into your own world get into your own zone and just fucking do you and try not to let outside influences affect your career your life well, he did talk about it on the pod that he tries not to pay attention. I think is to quote him was, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm like. You don't so fucking know say me, what bro. you want, <laughs> right? Say yeah. what you want about me. I don't really care. But with that being said, when you're trying to come back and being a two-time world champion and a little bit of pressure, there's only so much you can hide from people's opinions, I think. And yeah. maybe that plays into it a little bit. So For sure. So we'll keep an eye on him. Take the season off. Get your ass fucking healed up. Come back and go to winning next year, having fun again. I think the Mets the main thing, trying to have fun again and enjoy it instead of all the other bullshit that fucking comes along with it. So we're looking for him to do good things. Once again, uh, Mason Taylor breaks his fucking jaw last weekend. Shows the toughness of our sport. He has no plans of not riding at the the world finals. So he'll probably fucking wire that thing shut and he'll come and ride. And they're another good guy that, um, if that doesn't affect him, could be in that running for the world finals event win too. A lot of talent. Eight, eight, eight days in Vegas drinking your food through a straw. Wouldn't that be fun? Jesus. Oh, yeah. Fuck that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things in Vegas I would drink through a straw, but my fucking, fucking <laughs> dinner wouldn't be one of them. Yeah, I don't think I fucking ate very much when I was in Vegas, as it is anyway. So <laughs> Eating's cheating, baby. Right. Fucking let her roll. Yeah. Uh, Frank Newsom also, uh, if you watched in Lincoln, uh, day two, 
wasn't out there in the arena. There was just two bullfighters, Cody Webster and uh, Lucas. So um, Lucas Tidoro, I almost called him Lucas Divino, the bull rider, but um, just the two of them were out there. But I guess uh, Frank took a shot to the leg uh, in a leg that was previously injured uh, the day before. So we'll keep an eye on that to see. Uh, hopefully he gets healed up and is good for the world finals as well. So one of the tough guys and original OGs of the bullfight world, Frank Newsom, hoping him, hoping he gets healed up and comes back for uh, world finals. We'll keep an eye on that as well. Andrew Alvidrez, this guy, he impresses me quite a bit. He's one of those guys that's super positive all the time. Um, he's like a really mind mindset guy. If you watch him on Instagram and on all of his social medias and talk to him, he's all about positivity and, and pushing himself and being better mentally all the time. And, um, it was really good to see he rides the Punisher for 90 points and wins first round and does does a great event, moves himself in the top 25, solidifies himself at the world finals. So just one another another one of the good guys, positive guys. Be it tries to be nice to everybody and everybody's buddy and never a bad thing said about him. So congrats to Andrew. I know he's a listener as well. So good work, fella. Go kill him at the finals. Yeah, you bet. You bet. That's good. Positive attitude. There you oh, go. fucking positive, baby. Okay. Other than that, I think we're uh, I think we're pretty good. Uh, we'll go to our interview with Ross Coleman here right away. This one, I'm super excited to to share with all of you guys, all you listeners. Ross has been a hero of mine since back in the fuck since I can remember being a little kid. I remember watching videos of of him and Justin McBride and the Rash Brothers, and they were kind of the last. The last of the Mohegans, I always say. The last <laughs> yeah. fucking Wildcats of the game. Like real, you know, drinking, loving, fighting, fucking eight-second quote, Cowboys. You know? Oh, yeah. Rowdy sons of bitches. And Ross talks about it. If they fucking couldn't find anybody to fight, they'd fight each other. So it really uh, resonates with me <laughs> uh, as yeah. I as I tend to, to be like that as well. So uh, pretty excited to show everybody this intro and, and fucking one of the greatest to ever do it, too. And a great guy, like like you said, a great guy. But I'm gonna tell you, he was intimidating just to walk up to. Fuck yeah, just be intimidated to yeah, interview behind, with him, right? Um, I I remember from Calgary, uh, just him behind the shoots. You know, he, he had that stature about him where his chest was out, and he would, pardon me, he would stare at you, and he'd almost make you intimidated without saying anything. To you, so. <laughs> But I, with that being said, a great guy. But he had that uh, he had that persona that don't fuck with me. I'm about to be 90 here. Yeah. Um, you know, this is me. And if you don't like it, yeah, if you don't like it, you can beat it. So that yeah, was good. Fucking right. It was a good interview. So we'll chunk to him next. Uh, one thing I want to touch on was uh, the Western Sports Foundation did the did a virtual concert. We talked about it in the last one, and it came out, and I thought that that was unreal. That was fucking super cool what they were able to pull off there. And the names that they uh, they got to be a part of it with Ryan Bingham and Corb London and all the rodeo people involved too. I thought they did a really good job with that. And uh, talking with them, they're going to keep doing those. So uh, go check that out. You can still nice. find it on their on their page and um, good fundraising initiative by them uh and just a cool thing to bring everybody together and listen to some cool music and show the support of the outside world supporting the rodeo world so western lifestyle world really cool to see but that too ty Pazbon foundation uh we have our banquet to kick off edmonton we'll talk about that on the next podcast as well but for people that are wondering um it's a kickoff to the pbr canada finals 
Uh, we got a comedian coming in, Kelly Taylor, one of the best in the game. He's been on the podcast. You can go listen to his too, his podcast, and kind of see what he's all about. Red carpet intro for all the bull riders, silent auction items. Really, really cool night. We've talked about it before, but I want to push on it again as there's still some tables available, tables of eight uh, for a thousand bucks. Get a three course steak supper, uh, take in the take in the foundation banquet and we'll raise some good money for the Ty Pazbon Foundation, which is key for the Western lifestyle and protecting our athletes inside and outside the arena. So if you want to do that, Scott Byrne, you're well, going to fucking be a part of that too. What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to be involved in what, 2019, I guess. Yeah. Um, in Saskatoon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be joined by, um, 10 time announcer of the year, uh, Brett Gardner. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Um, it's always great when two guys get to MC together and have some fun with it. And, uh, the crowd, I mean, the atmosphere around it is about fun, smiling and, and remembering Ty and, and making some money for the foundation. So to be a part of that, I'm very honored. Um, one thing I do want to know just for our listeners, what are the dates of that Tanner? There you go, buddy. Good plug. Oh, fuck. It's like you've done this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. November 11th is the date. So Remembrance Day. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the Thursday before the, the PBR Canada Finals. Uh, Edmonton Rogers Place is the 12th and 13th. Uh, the Ty Pazibon Foundation Banquet at the River Cree Resort and Casino on November 11th. Kicks off at 6.30 at night. So get your buddies together. Get your company in on it. Uh, get you a table and, and come see what it's going to be all about and we'll show you a good time that's for sure yeah looking forward to it no it, and it yeah and, and lots of um silent auction items um i know last year or sorry in 2019 i i bought some uh silent auction items or oh let me correct that <laughs> dylan my youngest <laughs> bought some silent auctions that I was informed about at the end of the night, but it doesn't matter. It's yeah. a great cause. It's yeah, about smiling and having fun. So everything goes to, everything goes to a good cause. And yeah, anybody that can think of uh, some cool silent auction items, if you got something that you think could bring in some money that you want to donate, feel free to reach out on that too, as well. So uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. Also November 9th, uh, Ty Pazabon's birthday. So it'll all kind of tie in together. Uh, once again, Ty would have been 30 this year. So uh, wow. Eh? Yeah, we'll have a party for him there in Edmonton and uh, thinking about him and his family on uh, November 9th, that's for sure. So that'll uh, be good. Uh, one more ad read. Hey, before I do, I watched uh, the Leonard Skinner documentary on Netflix. Have you seen that? Oh, no. Oh, you <laughs> gotta check it out. If I leave here tomorrow, I knew that the, like the band, some of them died in a in a plane crash early on in their mm -hmm. career, but you got to check that one out. All of our listeners, you'll like that. Uh, at one point they talk okay. about all those songs, like um, I won't ruin it, but this was probably one of my funny, the funnier parts of the show. Uh, and it's got all the ups and downs, right. Of the seriousness and fucking funniness and all that sort of shit. But uh, when they're writing like sweet home Alabama and all those fucking bangers, Tuesday's gone, mm -hmm. all the legendary songs, they had this cabin. They're just kind of hillbillies from out in the fucking sticks, just wildcats. And uh, they had this cabin out in the sticks, and uh, they'd wake up. They'd all stay there to wake up in the morning. It was like in a cow pasture. And the one guy's like, we'd go out there and uh, pick all the mushrooms from the cow shit, and then we'd just come in and eat them all and put them in our tea, and we'd just fucking trip all day and write songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So 
<laughs> is there a name? Is there a name of it, or just go? I think it's called if I, Leonard Skinner. If I leave here tomorrow, I think is what it's called because it's all about okay. how they, like the they had the plane crash and everything that happened to to form the band and where they're at today and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of crazy stuff went on that I had no idea went on and how they got their name. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and like about the Confederate flag, they took a lot of shit for always having the the confederate flag and they kind of explain all that within it too so really good documentary really well done i recommend um for the folks out there i I imagine after a handful of mushrooms and a couple cups of tea anything you thought of would make sense at that point wouldn't it yeah as you imagine that guitar would just play itself baby (laughs) yeah okay uh we'll throw it to our interview here now with ross cullen but before we do one last ad read do you ever shave your balls and it ends up being as bloody as nate diaz fighting (laughs) not a bad start well good news because today's episode is sponsored by the official electric trimmer of the ufc manscaped and they just released their fourth generation performance package Fellas, get your black belt and ball trimming and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code NFP20. The Performance Package 4.0 is here to completely upgrade your male hygiene routine. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs, and the shed travel bag. The champion of this package is the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, the pound for pound greatest ball trimmer in the world. This fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner smell so good that your sparring partner will say thanks after they tap you out from a triangle choke. <laughs> get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code nfp20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code nfp20 at manscaped.com time to knock out your pubes with manscaped your balls and your sparring partner will thank you boom those the the guy that or girl that writes those maybe has has (laughs) yes sorry uh must have a couple cups of tea before uh, <laughs> they start into that. Cause that is good. That is good, man. Yeah. That is good. That is good. So cool. Uh, once again, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. Uh, we'll be back. We got Saskatoon this weekend, the cup series, last cup series event of the season. Yorkton is a touring pro the following weekend. We'll be back um, the Thursday uh, leading up to the PBR Canada finals. So next episode will be a big, lead up to to the canada finals and then everything going on with that with the banquet and all that sort of stuff so appreciate everybody um texting in and and uh supporting us online we'll keep this shit rolling and with that we'll throw it to our interview with ross coleman the 2012 ring of honor ross coleman if it involves skills that a cowboy should have, Ross has got him. Ross Coleman's cowboy 100%. He's been involved in bull riding and rodeo since he was a little kid. Ross Coleman will ride two bulls in a row at the Iron Cowboy. Wrap one up. When I think of Ross, I just think of extreme intensity. When he showed up to the bull riding, he was there for one reason, that was to win. I think Ross is one of the tough guys of the sport in, in his day and time. 
Ross, he's probably got to be one of the toughest guys I've ever met in my entire life. He was going down with a fight and gave it all he had every time he nodded his head. He's tough, he's gritty, and uh, he never really showed pain. He would take hits on the ground and, and then get up and walk away when, when you think nobody else could do that. Uh, I think that's what made him tough, you know. He's, uh, he's just a guy when you walked in the locker room, that's what you thought of. I think Ross was your first rock star when in the PBR. I mean, he was sure enough a cowboy, but he was a cool cowboy. Our guest today is a 12-time PBR World Finals qualifier. One of the most intense guys to tie his hand to the back of a bull, racking up over 45, 90-point rides. A Ring of Honor member, Mr. Ross Coleman. Ross, how are we doing today? Hey, man. Good, Tanner. Thank you, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're excited to have you on here. It's been a bit of a, a back and forth getting us all tracked down to hop on here, so it's pretty perfect. I know you're a busy guy. What's uh, what you got going on? Yes, sir. I have been busy. I've been really busy lately, but uh, I just got done riding one this morning, and I got quite a few outside horses I'm working on and a couple rope horses and been wide open trying to trying to get them going in the right direction and just uh, just doing cowboy shit. What we do. Uh, yeah. So is that kind of is that kind of the the game now is is uh breaking horses, breaking colts or riding horses or, or what kind of horses? Raining horses, cow horses, what do you got on the go? Just rope horses is my main kind of gig right now. I I I try I try to start a couple horses for some other people out here at Oklahoma too, a couple couple random kind of running horses and everything else. But uh but I uh I got some pretty good clients and uh Things have been going really well, and I've got quite a few good horses right now. Considering, considering where I was about seven or eight years ago, I was pretty, uh, I was kind of on the backwoods on some shitters over here. But we're getting better. So. <laughs> so was that was that was that something when you were thinking about retiring or leading into retirement that you had planned for, or is it something that you just kind of fell into? You know what? Um, I really wasn't planning on being much of a horse trainer. or or more of a, a roper either when I was kind of done riding, but, uh, I roped a little bit, you know, when I was riding, but whenever, uh, whenever I got done in 2011, I moved to Texas and, uh, Amy's dad is a, uh, is a very well-known cutting horse trainer. So, uh, when I was here and retired, he kind of brought me my first horse and, and I kind of started from then. And I actually started a horse or two back in Oregon, but it was a whole different ball game back back there on the West Coast for me. I was just kind of ranching and using them and riding and doing cowboying to a certain extent. But I really didn't know a lot about horsemanship and and stuff until I really uh, moved to Texas and started learning a bunch. And it's been pretty good. It's been a it's been a very humbling experience at times, but it's damn sure been a good experience. Yeah, that that was going to be my question. Was you know you obviously had to go probably to some clinics yourself to learn the ins and outs, or maybe you learned from somebody, but it, when, when a guy of your stature in the sport you're in kind of, you know, not kind of, but the top of the game, did it take a little bit to let down your guard and say, Hey, you know, I need to be taught something. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. You think about that and learning and, and even at the top of my game in the bull riding world, shit, I guarantee you I was learning something almost every single weekend going around with them badasses I used to hang with. And uh, and it, oh, it over it, it's cool how it kind of kind of reflects over into the world that I'm I am that I'm in now. And it's cool because, yes, I was I was very uh, 
very green and thought I kind of knew a little bit about training one a little bit here or there and riding a rough off one, maybe one bronc around or whatever. I think I could ride one a little bit there. But learning the whole horsemanship deal has been, wow, damn sure humbling. And there's a guy I worked for for about three years right here north of the county, a guy named Chris Littlefield that uh, that I started a bunch of colts for him and learned a whole bunch. It was just like uh, – it was a pretty good experience for sure. And it's been – and it's been a good thing. I've been just learning every day still, and uh, I enjoy it. It's something that um, I think it's kind of, it kind of relates to bull riding in a little bit of a way where you can never learn enough, and you can always always do as good as you want to as long as you put in the hard work and effort and try to get better. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah, nice. badass. Uh, Ross, so now living in Texas, um, doing, your, doing your, your gig now after your uh, career – as one of the best to ever ride bulls in the PBR. I want to go back right to the to the beginning of it. Growing up in uh, Oregon, how do you how do you get into the sport, uh, rodeo, bull riding, all that? What what was the what was your youth like coming on up? Um, you know what it was it was outstanding. We we were always dragging calves at the fire. You know, back in in Oregon, Dad would always have us dragging calves to the Brandon Pit. So we were that was my first experience. I think riding a calf or or steer whatever is when we'd go ahead and we'd be branded in the springtime and we'd put our lead rope or tie string around them and try to ride one or two after, after a little bit. But, uh, we grew up in, in Malala, Oregon, which is close to St. Paul. Also, my dad grew up farming in St. Paul. Um, my grandpa was a hop farmer and a big time farmer for forever. So my dad grew up there and bought a ranch when I was about four years old. We lived in a little bitty old town of Woodburn before then, and we bought the ranch in Malala when I was about four years old. So, so I guess you could say I'm kind of a second generation cowboy. But uh, my dad grew up farming, and didn't like the farming. I mean, he farmed his whole life, whatever. But he liked rodeo too. And whenever the Christensen brothers would come to town or whatever, the big rodeo company around that West Coast, Dad hooked up with them a couple of times and got hired on with them and started being a started getting on turnouts and riding bareback horses and riding bulls. And then he actually did, was very successful at that for many years on the West coast. He never made the NFR, but he was damn sure close a couple of times in the bareback riding. And, uh, he put on the, the St. Paul rodeo out okay. there in Oregon forever. I was always around rodeo my whole life growing up. And, and, uh, whenever the St. Paul rodeo would come to town, shit, we'd get over there and, us kids get around there and we'd be all about it right behind the shoots and, and right up in everybody's business, whether it was back in the day with, uh, the old school bull riders, like old wasted Kathy or the old bareback riders like Clint Corey and all them badasses back in the day, we'd always be right in the middle of them. Yeah. And, uh, it was something that was in my blood, I guess my dad did it, you know, and knew, knew the, uh, knew the whole background of being a, you know, bareback rider and a, and a bull rider and everything. So, um, I was always around it and my older sister's high school rodeoed and, and, uh, growing up on that ranch, we were busy cowboying every day. And, uh, it was just, a it was just a, a perfect fit for me. I loved everything about, I loved everything about the rodeo world. So, yeah. um, even, even a little bit when we were younger, like dad would actually get a steer or two during the, for a special section during the St. Paul rodeo and let me ride one when I was a kid, you know, out there in front of everybody. So, yeah. So I was kind of caught young age. I was pretty, pretty excited about that. 
got the bug early on. Yes, sir. <laughs> but isn't that usually how it fucking goes, though? Like farmers, they get the, the rodeo comes around. I know that. Scott, you can attest to that. We all grew up on farms. But that rodeo side always seems to, to take, uh, take over where you want to go is on that rodeo side of things. Well, it's just so much damn fun. I mean, yeah. first, <laughs> rodeo. I mean, the, the St. Paul Rodeo, like like everybody knows, the biggest party of everybody's year is going to be the, the rodeo when it comes to town and all the locals and all the family and friends. It's like a big reunion, you know. And and uh, whenever the St. Paul Rodeo showed up, boy, it was it was lickety split, badass cowboys everywhere. And, and a great rodeo. It's our little Calgary, you know, for our little town, our little spot in Oregon. It's kind of our, if Pendleton's probably the biggest rodeo, but St. Paul's probably the second biggest rodeo in Oregon. So, so we, uh, we were around it forever. Just a, just a great place to, just a great spot to grow up for sure. So you, you actually, everybody knows you from, um, on TV with the PBR, but way more than that rodeo cowboy all around bareback horses can do any uh, event in the arena and for a while bareback riding was kind of number one was it not it was yes um that was kind of my claim to fame there for a little bit especially when i was about eighth grade freshman in high school you know i was i was strong enough to kind of get by some of the bareback courses like the hoppers and the good ones i could ride pretty decent but then um bull riding started clicking a little bit for me when i started about college or so you know about into high school and about college rodeo i college rodeoed one year and uh bull riding started clicking i, I rodeoed in that columbia river circuit for a little bit i've been up to canada a couple of times riding broncs and barebacks and bulls and everything too but yeah. but i uh i i'd shit i hit a lick a couple of times in that bull riding world and that pbr deal and i never looked back boy it was a pretty good spot to be so. <laughs> not too shabby uh before we get to the pbr side of things we gotta go to college former guest on this uh podcast justin mcbride had some had some good stories he said he was a little bit better at picking classes than you were uh, at UNLV, but uh, what what was that like? And uh, is that where your friendship kicked off with McBride? Was was in Vegas in, in college? You know what? I met Justin McBride. I met Justin when we were freshmen in high school at the high school finals. I met Justin McBride, Corey Rash, and Evan Rash. And we <laughs> yes. were out there like at the high school finals. We were just pards from day one. Um, I remember they used to call us the jerks, Justin, Evan, Ross, and Corey. <laughs> so we were called the jerk that all started or who gave us that nickname maybe Corey's mom or somebody but but i was like who's this little son bitch from nebraska that kid can freaking ride man mm-hmm. and uh he was just strong you know he's a little guy anyways but at, when he was a freshman in high school he might have weighed 100 pounds soaking wet and Corey the same way Corey was scrawny too you know but um you could see the freaking cowboy shit in him. You could see the cowboy shit in him. Justin was riding bareback horses and bulls at the high school finals. And I was just riding barebacks the first year I made it to the high school finals. And, and Corey was riding bulls. And it was so cool to see those guys because they were just little bitty guys. Like, I mean, scrawny, but they had all the fucking try in the world. And they rode really good out there. And, and we all clicked right there from, from day one. And, and then, like, even – I think it might have been, like, a sophomore or junior year of high school. Like, Justin and me kept kept in 
touch pretty good. And he actually flew to Oregon a couple of times just for some open bull ridings and stuff that we went to. And, and, uh, so we've been buddies for been pretty tight for a long time since we've been a freshman in high school. And, and, uh, it was pretty good, man. Justin, when he fly out there to Oregon and, uh, we go out there to those open bull ridings out there, you know, that they put on just a random open bull riding and be pretty big deal. You know, the couple buckers around there, you know, flying five hats and bucking some bitches around there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit. It, Justin showed up and did exactly what he did in the PBR forever. Just kicked their ass everywhere he'd go. And, and, uh, it was fun being around him and, and, uh, having him around. And then we went to college together. We figured, you know what, we kind of made a plan. We went to, UNLV was kind of a hot shit college, you know, Michael gone and, and, uh, he supported that, that school out there and had a damn good rodeo team and, and the Grounding brothers had a bunch of good stock for us to practice on. And, and we thought that'd be a good spot to go. And we went out there for one year and, uh, yeah, we raised a little bit of hell in college. Anyway, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the hell Justin's talking about, about how he picked better classes than I did or whatever, but. I guarantee you we had a lot of fun at that. That that school was – it was kind of like high school again in a way. It wasn't like college really. We just kind of jacked around that school and did what we can to get by and passed what we could and went on the rodeo trail. And, and we made made our grades just good enough to uh, to make the rodeos. And from then on, we never looked back. So it was cool. Yeah, that's badass. So, so then uh... – True college, you got. Did you and McBride both get on tour around the same time? Because obviously, both young had had long careers in it. But uh, around the same time, did you guys get on tour? Yeah, um, I was. Yes, sir. I think I I got on tour first. I think actually, I got in '99, early in '99. I won a tour pro somewhere, maybe late '98, and uh, and then it got me on tour. So I went to Guthrie which was the old Bonanza at the time in 99. It was freaking badass. I walked in there. It was like, son of a bitch. All these legs were everywhere, you know, and I got to go hang my rope wherever I hung my rope. But I just looking around, there was all the, all the best of the best, you know, Owen Washburn, Clint Bronger, Ty Murray, Jim Sharp. I mean, the list goes on and on. It was pretty cool just being there. And I got humbled for sure. My first time on tour and, and my first couple shit, about that first whole little season, first part of the year for me, I was pretty much just kind of getting by and, and I dislocated the shoulder somewhere. I think at San Antonio at the rodeo actually that winter. So I, uh, so I went home and started doing some therapy to get stronger again. And when I went home, McBride hit a lick right there when he was, he went to, uh, I think it was Odessa or somewhere out, maybe even Bakersfield, California or something. I'm sure y'all, talk to him about it but whenever he showed up at his first little at his first big show he started kicking their ass like he always does and it took me a little bit to kind of kind of uh get my feet wet but uh i snuck in the pbr finals barely that year in 99 and mcbride was already right in the middle of it and uh from then on we never looked back it was a good it was a pretty good little pretty good year yeah pretty fun so were, were you two uh like as pals and and traveling partners or whatever were you always at each other's throat in the sense of uh you know you got to pick your game were you always supporting each other in in kind of that rough uh that rough way for sure and uh 
yeah, at each other's throat might be literally at each other's throat. <laughs> yeah, like, like, we, <laughs> we get fucked up hell every now and then, and we go ahead and might beat. There wasn't nobody else to beat up, so we beat up each other sometimes. <laughs> we uh, we had we had our ins and outs for sure. We uh, he's a he's a wrestler first off, so he's a scrappy little son of a bitch, and second off, he's a tough, real cowboy, and we would uh. We uh we would have a lot of fun. We'd raise a little hell at every every time we get a chance to, and sometimes late night we'll show up and we might just fight each other every now and then. And I remember one day I showed up in sport in the sports medicine with a big old swelled up face. My jaw was just jacked up big time. And uh the sports medicine's like, What the hell happened to you? And I was like, Well, me and McBride got got to fighting last night, and uh I think I might have had the upper hand on him at one point and he started eye gouging the fuck out of me and then he fish hooked my fish hooked my cheek so hard with his dirty ass fingernails that he fish hooked me so bad that it ripped all the shit out of my my mouth and my gums and everything and and i was in the sports medicine the next morning getting an antibiotic and some and, or prescription and shit and ice and shit they were saying what the hell happened yeah i didn't get hurt by the bulls but i got hurt by mcbride so we had a lot of fun <laughs> Uh, that is sweet i heard that the um the rash brothers also obviously travel with you guys too they were pretty scrappy too right yeah they're they're pretty scrappy they're they're bigger uh evan's kind of a big strong kind of guy and just a super nice guy too and Corey is too Corey's a great guy but don't let Corey get a hold of your neck he might choke you he might choke us <laughs> he's got a little more try through than most of them so that's the best part about my buddies i used to hang with was it was like uh, it was like having some, you know, being around, you know, you're only as good as your company. And when you show up with somebody that's got to try like like Corey Rash or like Justin McBride or J.W. Hart and Aaron Seamus and my guys that I used to hang with, it was like it's a pretty good group to be around. You know what I mean? And it just makes oh, you yeah. that much better. Yeah. And uh, that's my favorite part about the whole bull riding world. It was just my buddies that I got to be around. And, and when we'd show up, wherever we'd show up we were going to kick some fucking ass and that was that was that was fun so when you guys did come on uh on tour at that time you said it took you a little bit to to get it rolling mcbride hit it right off the hop uh the, the stories and stuff that you're talking about outside the arena intensity all that sort of stuff what were the the veteran guys like towards you as as you guys coming in some punk kids rolling in there kicking ass and, and having fun with it. Were they supportive? Were they, would they give you shit? Did they haze you a little bit? Or it would be guys like Ty Murray and, and uh, those guys, right? At that time that were the veterans in the room. Yeah, they were the veterans in the room, but they were cool as shit, man. And they were our heroes too. That was the cool part. Like Troy Dunn and Ty Murray and all these freaking legends, right? That was just so cool to be around them. And, and just being around them just made, made you better too. Obviously they were, they were obviously the veterans and we, we might show up and raise a little hell and have a, have a lobby party or a hotel party or something might be a little bit wilder. than Most of us used to be back in the day, but um, they were cool as shit about it. And they took, they took us in like, uh, like champions. They are, man. It was just a, it was just a great vibe to be around them. And, and knowing that the sport was growing too, of the PBR was growing and it was so cool that they were, they knew who Justin McBride and Ross Coleman were, you know, at the time. And they took us in and they were like, you damn right. Y'all, y'all hands go ahead and go to work and, and we'll be there 
to support you, but they're also going to go ahead and haze the shit out of you or, or, or tell you if you, uh, if you fucked up enough, which we did, yeah. you know, we learned from our mistakes, sure, but I know for a fact it was so good being around him and, you know, J-Dub and Ty and, and Cody Lambert even too. And it was just so good to be around those guys all the time because they wasn't scared to go ahead and tell you if you pushed out that day and if you had hell that day or something, they'd go ahead and they'd go ahead and tell you what's on their mind. You know, I remember Jim Sharp told me one time I was riding, I was having hell and, and I might've bucked off one pretty, pretty handily or whatever. And, and Jim Sharp told me, you know, he's, he kind of, he don't say shit. First off, Jim don't talk much, but he talked to me that day a little bit enough to where he kind of said, yeah, that wasn't, that didn't look nothing like Ross Coleman to me. And that just kind of hit me pretty hard, you know, and it, it hit me in a good way though. And it made me better. Yeah. And uh, just being around guys that just made me better all the time. I love everything about it. So probably coming from a guy that didn't say much, it, it hit home a lot harder too. Right. You knew he meant it. He's one of them guys, right? Exactly right, man. And that's the cool part about Razor too. Like he was, he was at the end of his career kind of too. him and Seamus too. They were both older guys when we showed up, but it's almost like we were the fountain of youth for them. They started freaking rolling with us. And, and, uh, I remember Razor was so good because he wouldn't go out drinking with us on Friday nights. Cause we knew he had to ride on Saturday night. So after Saturday night was over, he'd go out drinking with us or whatever, because he'd go kick their ass. And, and, and he was smart enough to do that. And his, you know, he's probably, 30 years old, 32 or three years old when we showed up. So he was at the end, towards the end of his career. He might've been 35 years old. Shit. I don't really know exactly, but, yeah. but he was, um, him and Michael Gaffney and, and, and Ty Murray and, and all these badasses on Washburn and then boys being around them Seamus. It was like, first off, it was so cool for, for me or Justin or whoever, as a young guy in the sport, getting the, mingle with them also but getting to ride with them i mean the money and all the fame and fortune all that was all good but the most important part to me was just being able to ride and ride good in that same locker room with those badasses out of all those guys out of all those those veterans that were your heroes um was there one in particular that you would look to for advice or you know uh, expect advice from is there one that kind of took you more under their wing than another yeah that'd be Seamus I think Aaron Seamus um Ty Murray's like my hero first off because I rode Bronx and Barebacks and Bulls forever and I really looked up to Ty so anything Ty would say I was game on but um I got to travel with Seamus quite a bit we went to a couple rodeos but we went to a lot of PBRs together and, and uh he was just not only like a big brother to me, but he was also a guy that wouldn't let you like, there was one time I remember I was, I got stomped at like a touring pro or it might've been a big, big built for tough, but I got stomped and run over and freaking pretty fucking mucked out sore, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was with him at the hotel. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of want sympathy. I was kind of young and, and I got freaking raspberries from my head to toe and I'm just beat the piss kind of, whatever and, and i was with aaron and aaron's like uh i'll go get you some ice but i don't want to hear none of that fucking whining bullshit <laughs> he's like you better fucking cowboy up because you got to ride tomorrow 
And I was like, that hit home. It's like, fuck, you ain't shitting. I'm, I'm trying, I'm looking for sympathy out here, trying to be a puss in the toughest fucking sport in the world. And I'm over here kind of acting like I'm hurt and I ain't fucking hurt. You know, I got run over and stomped and shit, but I wasn't fucking hurt. And it was so cool to get that because it's like a big brother, you know, it ain't like, he ain't like a, uh, he's not going to tell you, he ain't going to feed you full of no bullshit. And none of those guys would, none of them would. And that's, that's my favorite part about all. So it was just a, a good part, good, good vibe to be around. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And that's uh, a lot of where it needs to get back to a lot of that aspect of it today of the, you know, going fucking all in doing what it takes and, and being tough about it. One thing uh, on this podcast that we talk about a lot is, uh, is, uh, is a, a Cody Lambert story. Everybody has their own Cody Lambert story. Do you have uh, one that stands out? Maybe a first meeting him or, or where he let you have it one time? Well, I mean, shit, everybody's fucked up enough. I'm sure he's chewed my ass plenty of times. But <laughs> my favorite part about Cody Lambert's story is, is this. I was, at a, uh, I was at a bull riding in Wichita Falls, Texas. And he's at a touring pro one year, and he said, hey, he said, hey, I need you to come meet these folks. They got a daughter that you need to meet. And I was like, a daughter? He's like, yeah, they're some really good friends of mine and this and that. You need to come, come meet these people because uh, they're here watching the bull ride, and they want to they talk to you or whatever. And I'm like, well, is the daughter here? And he's like, no, the daughter's off college or whatever, but you need to come meet these folks. And I went over there and met him or whatever. I'm like – well, does she look good, Cody? I mean, I don't really want to meet him if she, you know, but, but long story short, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, she's a good looking girl. Come on over here, but she ain't around right now. And come meet these folks and go from there. And so I went and met him and everything. And then the next morning, he's like, tomorrow morning, he lives close to Wichita Falls. Anyways, tomorrow morning, I'm going to holler at you. I got to bring some calves and you can come help me or whatever. So I did that. And, the next morning early, I got up and went over here to Henry where he lived at the time and helped him brand some calves. And, and then after that, he's like, we're going to go play some basketball at this people's place. And the same folks that we met the night before. Yeah. And of course, uh, it was Cody and Leanne, his wife, were trying to hook me up, which is now my wife and Amy's family that I, that I met a long time ago. And so that's kind of long story short, but a good and a good vibe that Cody and Leanne introduced me to my wife, Amy, and, and, uh, and we live here in Henrietta now and they live in Bowie and, and they're around here a bunch and I get to see them a bunch and it's been a damn good deal. So, yeah, so, uh, my hat's know. off. To the end, so. <laughs> That's unreal. <laughs> so it's pretty good positive there. There's That's been a lot of other times where he's been frustrated with me or chewing my ass or, or, you know, things that I've damn sure fucked up at times but he's also he's also a kind of guy that uh, that knows that i can learn from my mistakes and and damn sure is a supportive type of guy and knows how to knows how to uh knows how to take in the right situation on things so. yeah boom okay well stick on the on the the mentorship uh part for a little bit here uh you had those guys aaron seamus lambert all those guys to to look up to Reverse roles about halfway through your career, you became more of the veteran in the room. One guy that, that stands out for me that you really took under your wing um, was Luke Snyder. What drew you to, to Luke and, and trying to help him get him the best that he could be? 
Well, I think I might have fucked Luke up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Cody at, at Luke's uh, Ring of Honor introduction, Luke uh, Cody Lambert got up there and gave a big story about everything and, and about Luke and how good of a bull rider he was and this and that. And he says he would have been a whole bu- whole lot better if he never met Ross Coleman. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, I love Luke, man. He's a good boy, and it's been it was a good turn. But but anyways, it was like shoot, it was. Luke and me hit it off pretty pretty quick right there when he first showed up on tour. I remember it was like Fort Worth, and he had that uh, Hollywood drawing. Mm-hmm. He was a scared son of a bitch. You could tell Luke was scared, and he was just a brand-new kid on tour. And Hollywood's a real deal, bro. And uh, he rode the fire at him. And from then on, I was like, I like that kid. And from then on, I I tried to room with him or hang with him and and uh, try to be supportive of him as much as I could. and and shit he was he was a kick-ass man he did a good job and i think he could have done you know we he tried to tried to hang with us a lot and, and he did he he learned a little bit of cowboy shit but uh i think just being around us i think we kind of toughened him up to a certain extent and, and i know for sure that he damn sure was a good bull rider and, and funner and shit to be around and just a just a character in the locker room or outside the locker room or wherever you want to be he was, he was damn sure a good time yeah so you had that that intensity intensity towards bull riding. You had it outside the arena, which I think is what drew like a lot of the young guys towards you. Was well, myself? You had a you used to have a video that the PBR used to play. I remember being a junior bull rider going to these bull ridings and fucking riding calves or steers or whatever. And this intro would play, and it it was you and you said you just get pumped up, fired up, and just go at them. And I fucking lived my my whole youth on that, right? Just trying to get as fired up as I could, pumped up as I could, and ride. So was that something that, that you were doing um, for yourself, like getting yourself in the zone? Or you drew everybody into it too, but was that just your attitude towards bull riding was just go at it, be as fired up and just be as intense and, and go at it as best as you could? And that just kind of went off onto other people? Or, or is that just you as a person? Yeah, I think uh... – I think a lot of it showed up from my younger years riding bareback horses too and 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 playing football in, in high school and and just uh it seems like I could I don't know it seems like I need to fire myself up at times if, if I'm just kind of pretty neutral at a bull riding or whatever but like it's easy to be in that zone of just kind of being neutral but if you think about the things that the things that I've been through and the things that I've enjoyed so much about my career and riding and riding bucking horses and playing football and bull riding and and getting that challenge it was like whenever whenever like in the football world whenever somebody else would show up that were bigger and stronger looking and maybe had a big freaking team that was ready to knock the piss out of us Mm -hmm. it just made me more than happy and i was just like i cannot wait to, to to hit one of these guys and uh and hopefully that hit will also be a chain reaction to our whole team. But in the bareback riding world too, it was a fucking fight, man. It was a big time fight. Every time when you nod your head, even on a hopper, sometimes it was a fight, but I got to get on a couple, quite a few eliminators too, just for my short career being a bareback rider, a bronc rider. But I, uh, I used to kind of try to let it all hang, all, all let loose, you know, and, and just take that fight to their ass. And in the bull riding world, it would, it would help me too at times. Um, 
whenever you get on those big strong bulls that are really, really intimidating slash uh, outstanding bucking bulls a year type caliber bulls, it was like the more the merrier. You know what I mean? It made me want to be better. And uh, it seemed like I rose to I rose up for that a lot more than I did. If I was getting on kind of a regular 85 point bull and mm-hmm. and just kind of a mediocre bull, I just kind of ride mediocre at times. But by God, it showed up whenever I'd have that eye of the tiger. Sometimes it was a lot of fun whenever they'd show up on the big. Was was there right. uh, w- whether you're a bullfighter, bull rider, bareback rider, whatever it may be? Um, did Ross Coleman ever um, mentally fight himself? Was there times where you, you know, weren't um, at the top of your mental game and, and really had to fight through that to get back to where you needed to be? Yeah, um, I think so, for sure. Like a lot of a lot of times, like at the end of my career, to tell you the truth, was probably the, the worst part of my whole situation. Um, my whole career was pretty good for quite a few years, and I could – mentally and physically be strong enough to kick their ass for quite a few years. But um, at, actually at the end of my career, I got cut, man. I got cut from tour and I've been up to, I was on the tour and pro division there for a little bit. Whenever I got hurt and I retired, it was in 2011 and I was actually cut from tour. So my, my mental game, my bull riding game wasn't there anymore mm-hmm. and not to make excuses or whatever, but like for many years, all I cared about was, the first flight to the bull riding and the last flight home, it was just my life. And then I, uh, then I started having the kiddos and, and being at home with my wife and kids, I had two kiddos and and I was still going to bull ridings and and it was like bull riding wasn't important. It it was important to me, but it was more like a job to me Mm -hmm. instead of being my life. And and so I started kind of riding mediocre, just kind of going through the motions and just kind of getting by. And I remember, uh, I remember one time I called Cody Lambert for advice one day. I said, Hey Cody, when's a good time, you know, when you, when you figure out it's time for you to retire. And he says, if you're already thinking about retiring, it's fucking time right now. Mm -hmm. So it was like, well, that makes sense. And I just kind of went through the motions anyways, after a lot of concussions, a lot of injuries on tour. And then I still tried to fight, fight my way down through the tour and pros and try to make my way back up. And I got hurt. Again, another serious concussion, and I tore my shoulder to shit and broke a bunch of shit there at a touring pro in Nampa, Idaho in 2011. And that's the year – That's that was the decision I made for sure after that. I was like, well, that's a sign from somebody upstairs. It's time for me to be done. So I was done, and and uh, I hung up my spurs ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you, get, you came back once. The unfinished business. Oh yeah, the unfinished business. I did ride again. There, there you go. Yeah. What was That's the story behind that? Yeah, that? Story. How'd that all? No. How'd that all take place? Well, shit. J Dub called. He's like, uh, I guess J Dub. He put on that good touring pro event here in Decatur, Texas, all, every year, and he's like, well, um, his his guys that were putting on the event were like, well, how can we make this event better? Make you and Justin and Ross and all the all the you know Ring of Honor kind of legends ride again. And he said, well, y'all put up a bunch of money. Our, our old ass is probably liable to do it or something. And, and he said that uh, they had a meeting and, and he had to make a phone call to all of us or whatever. And he said by the time he got to about the third guy, everybody was saying yes. And J-Dub never thought that nobody would say yes, they'd do it. And uh, all of us older guys kind of got on the bull again. And, and uh, it was a fun deal. 
Um, they put up a bunch of money and, and shit, it was fun. We had all the fans and family and friends and people from Oregon, people from South Texas and people from everywhere show up at Decatur. And, and I rode again there. Our funnest part was that practice pin ride over there at J-Dub's house. I think yeah. Justin really stuck it on a good bucker that day in the practice pin. J-Dub rode the bucker. I rode kind of a flat spinner, but it was kind of all right. And then um, Jake Hooker was there and just a small little crowd. And then um, and then at the big show, J-Dub, he won it, but he got knocked out for it. <laughs> I got bucked right at the whistle. And it was just it was just one of them things, but it was it was a good ordeal. Fuck yeah! You know that's that's the best part about bull riding and, and our industry is is that for a fan or someone looking in from the outside would be like, "What the fuck are you guys? <laughs> you got knocked out and won it, you know?" But it's yeah. it is it, that's the best part. That's the best part. Yeah, yeah. He uh, J Dub. I was proud of J Dub, man. He lost like thirty pounds or some shit for that deal. Got in fighting shape and showed up, and he rode good. He rode really good. That practice pin ride. He really rode good there, and then he rode that bucker, or a pretty good one, but pretty good bullet ride bucker kind of in that deal. So it was fun. And Shivers, Shivers, I think, I think he he tied him or was second or something. He made a damn good ride, so it was a lot of fun. That's nice. super cool. Pay per view man, everything. Yeah, hashtag NFP on that one. That's wicked. Uh, <laughs> into your actual into the the bull riding side of your your career. Ross, um, I think you talked about it when you hit a lick in like 98, 99, but was that when you rode um, Rampage? It was. Yeah. It was. Rampage was as, as pretty young, yeah. And um, that was back when I come back from my shoulder injury that I got hurt earlier that spring or that winter, and I showed up anyways and rode. I drew Rampage at, uh, at Houston. At, in the Longo, at Houston, at the PBR there. And, and um, Rampage had the reputation right there at that time. It was in He was in his prime, man. Mm-hmm. And he was knocking some bitches out left and right. And the only guy I've seen ride him, I think, before that was on video, and that was Troy Dunn. Yep. And uh, Troy Dunn's a superhuman, and he stuck it on his ass for a bunch. But he was, he was the scariest bull, I think, going at the time. I mean, Bodacious was the most – scariest bull maybe of all time because he had a bad hop skip kick but uh but rampage wasn't no bullshit yeah and uh <laughs> i was damn i was damn sure intimidated by the whole situation and i knew who the bull was and i was young and you know 19 years old and and uh and i uh i never forget i, I was at lunch that day with aaron seamus and terry williams was there and, and he actually didn't know who I was. Terry did not know who I was. And he was telling Aaron Seams, he's like, Hey, our, how about that poor farm boy from Oregon drew, drew rampage. That sucks for that kid. He's about to get his freaking head knocked off or some bullshit like that. And, and I was standing right there. I was standing right there by Aaron and Aaron's like, well, this is him right here. He's the, he's your farm boy from Oregon. That drew him. And, and I didn't say, I was trying to like, I was like thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, you fat son of a bitch cussing me, talking shit about me right there. You know, it kind of fired me up deep down. But uh, Terry Williams is a good friend of mine. Don't get me wrong. I love him to death. But um, but uh, I was fired up, man, from then on at that lunch that day. I had him that night, so I was already scared some bitch, you know, scared enough. Yeah. And uh, 
intimidated by that and then kind of all that whole situation hit and it just fucking pissed me off man <laughs> and uh and it was like damn and i got back in there and and your old buddy bj cramps your old bull rider from canada mm-hmm. he got in there and i'm about to go rope this son of a bitch up this is at the introductions and shit and it's dark in there and i'm in the alleyway trying to rope this fucking huge black hooking mean son of a bitch up in the in the and the buck and shoots that are the lead up buck and shoots, and they're not very safe at the time either. Anyways, BJ looks at me and he goes, Hey, you got that one drawed, huh? I said, I looked at him, I said, Yeah. And he goes, Nice knowing you. Good luck. Nice oh, knowing you. oh, you <laughs> motherfucker. Oh. oh, I was like, I was so fucking mad, but it was like, it was like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to use all that fuel out on this black yeah. son of a bitch. And uh, it was badass because McBride was right there throwing, pulling me down, and Seamus was right there helping me out. And that big black dude was rank, and uh, he jumped and kicked and fired around there and dropped in the air and did his bullshit. And, and I jockeyed up over his ass and stomped him down pretty handily. And and I was on cloud nine after that. So yeah, yeah. I got a little more. I got a little more uh, respect in the locker room. I think after that situation from everybody. So. Yeah. Oh, did, you talk, did you talk to BJ Cramps afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> or Terry I don't Lynch. I said to him, I don't know, BJ, BJ wrote pretty damn good for a while there on, on tour or whatever, but um, if I did talk to him, I was like, how you like that shit? I get pretty, pretty excited at times, so I was probably pretty cocky about it. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's cool though yeah how you can use that shit somebody it kind of shows your character because you could either use that as an excuse and and beat yourself in in your head before you tie off to them or take that shit and and do what you did right it shows that championship mentality where it's like fuck everybody nobody believes in me i'm gonna show you guys what i can fucking what i can do here and accomplish so hats off fast forward dillinger about that exact same reputation big scary nobody stayed on him you snap his ass too what was that one like? Yeah, that was a good day. That was a really <laughs> good day. The day, before, the day before, I had I had a little yellow jacket and uh, drawed in the, the – no, what? I had little yellow jacket drawed, I think, the day before I got on – or the, the long round maybe before that or the day before, whatever. I had them some, somewhere. And I wrote, I wrote them right to the whistle in Fort Worth also. Mm-hmm. So I was already pissed off. I was already pissed off and I used that fuel too and motivation for me. And then I drew, I had Dillinger a couple of weeks before that at a bull riding. Actually, I think in Houston too, that same that year, but I come back and I knew how he felt. He was a big bucking son of bitches, but, but if you jumped over there in him inside on him a little bit, he was going to well your ass too. Okay. So he was a big bucker and he, he bucked by feel, but um, he was the cream of the crop at the time that year. And uh, it was a perfect fit for me in the short go at, at Fort Worth and, and it worked out outstanding. It was just like you said earlier, when you tie yourself in there and have that motivation and that, that know how to, and, and that confidence and uh, tying yourself in there, I would tie my ass in there. I would literally put some freaking rosin on my rope and mash it down through my pinky and mash that sumbish down there and know, and know that I'm going to be there. And if I, if my ass came off them, I was going to hang and drag because I knew I was going to be there. And, uh, <laughs> more motivation but yeah. it was a great bull and 
great ride. One probably one of my best rides I've had. And I rode him right to the whisk. You know, I bucked off right after eight seconds, maybe eight one, eight two. But but I did I did stomp him, and I was very excited about it. Oh yeah, that's huge. Two bulls uh, as a as a kid, like growing up riding on the trampoline and all that shit. Rampage Dillinger were the standouts mm-hmm. for for me. So that I wanted to bring up those two because I thought that's pretty badass to chat with a guy that I actually did stick it on him. So. Fast forward then, lots of success, lots of event wins. One that stands out for me was tough enough, hundred thousand dollars in one ride. What's the what was the story behind that? How did it lead up and, and how did you get that opportunity? And then take it. What was the feelings and the emotions like winning a hundred thousand dollars on on that ride? Yeah, that was just right. Um that was the Mossy Oak shootout there. Mossy Oak was a big sponsor of the bull riding for a long time there back in the day. And uh, they'd put 5,000 bucks on the top bull at the event for that Friday night perf. And uh, so after the long round, whoever won the long round would get on the bounty bull that night. And it went all the way to 100,000 bucks. Everybody bucked off whatever bull it was for so many events. And it was tough enough at that event in Columbus, Ohio for me. And, and uh, I won the long round, and and I had tough enough drawed the year before at the finals, just the year prior. Um, so I knew kind of what he felt like too, which is a good advance from, or advantage for me. But uh, I got on with the PBR finals, and he was really ranked and really ducked and rolled and lunged across there and, and turned back to left and asshole me. And, and um, so this time I had him for a hundred thousand dollar shootout deal. And, and I knew how he kind of felt and I knew the situation and, uh, and I never forget being on the back of the shoots there. And just, uh, before that whole, whole setup even happened, I already knew I was going to ride that son bitch. I felt so confident because it was not too long ago. I had him in the PBR finals and, and he, he embarrassed me there, but I knew I could get by that son bitch. Yeah. And, uh, it was just right. It was a damn good event. And, and uh, I had Ty Murray throwing me down on that one, and he was in my ear on that son bitch, and and uh, it was just a good vibe right there. McBride and Ty and and Tough and all the all my heroes and friends and shit, and made a damn good ride. And and the bull was good. He was big and strong and kind of out of line right out of there, and just kind of got pretty good at the end. But um, by gosh, I was pretty excited about the whole situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hat fog disaster and everything. Fuck, that's an epic video. Yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. I got, I got a little excited to kind of bow my chest at him and talk a little shit. It was just good. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about that one. Yes, yeah. sir. Oh, that's cool. So, um, twelve years, twelve consecutive world finals. Other than those those rides that I brought up, what kind of stands out for you? What in your career was there uh, something that you you might have done outside the arena or the buddies or is there anything that kind of that that you look back on and you think of uh in your career well um one cool thing i thought about um just randomly right there was i put on a bull riding event in oregon uh and the year i put on the, the very first year i put on my event in oregon was because of a buddy of mine that i grew up riding with a local guy that never made pbr rodeo much but uh he rodeoed with us when we were little, he had cancer and, and we had a meeting one day with his family and friends that he didn't have any insurance or nothing. He had cancer and he's drawn up pretty bad in the situation for a while. And, and uh, we decided to put on a bull riding event 
for my buddy Jack Peterkin back in the day, and and it was the Ross Coleman Invitational. We, it was all the proceeds in that for that bull riding was going to go to my buddy Jack, yeah. and the PBR was on board with it, and and we had a big tour and pro event at the rodeo grounds right there in Malala, Oregon, and, and uh, I never forget, man. It was so cool, like Justin and J Dub and all the badasses showed up for it because they knew. It was my event putting on, but it was also all going to a good cause. Justin won the event. I won second at it, and we donated all our money back to Jack. Mm-hmm. And I think we raised over 200000 bucks that year for him or some crazy nice. amount. So we had a bunch of people in the local community and just friends and family and sponsors. And Chad Berger donated all the bulls that year. He donated all his bulls to my event for free wow. to uh, – put on that event for for my buddy jack and and it was just a stuff like that was so cool and 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 then for years after that we'd made a lot of money for the make wish foundation of oregon and and just doing stuff like that i think was probably one of the most important things that i got to be a part of and be around for for being a bull rider and and using my name or my bull riding to do something good for somebody else and uh at the time that was pretty cool thing to look back on and and I hope we just keep doing more good shit in the future, whether it is stuff for charity or stuff for for uh, for the PBR in general. Just being around the PBR and the things they've done for me has made my whole life. You know what I mean? And and uh, being able to uh, have my house and my ranch that I have right now uh, because of riding bulls for a couple of years, like I did, has been nothing but a but a great success for for me to enjoy the lifestyle of the PBR that I did, but I owe everything to the PBR. They've, they've been had, they've been first class to me. So it's been good. Yeah, That's huge. That just shows your character. Um, the guys within the sport that a lot of people don't get to see, uh, you know, you see them on TV and they're riding bulls, but then you hear stories like that, right. Of, of McBride and you donating your money back, raising that much money for a friend, Chad Berger. That's yeah. That's, I think that really shows the character of the guys, with most of the guys within within the sport so that's that's cool that's a cool story that people are really gonna get into and then malala turned into one of the coolest bull ridings of the year right and that's probably you know you're raising money and doing all that stuff but it, it kind of turned into like the main touring pro for all the guys to go to obviously a, a really good time around there as well right you guys would go to your ranch and your family ranch and and have a good time through it all right really showed everybody a bunch of fun hospitality Oh shit! We had a bit. We had the best parties of the year, man. Uh, we had a great time. We 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 raised a little bit of hell and and enjoyed everything about that. But uh, it was just a it was just a lot of fun, man. the The event was great, and and all of our all of our buddies would show up, and we'd have we'd have yeah we'd we'd stay up late, really. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, the PBR. Speaking of, of that as well, do um. Uh, oh, you know, you talk about uh, Cody Lambert being close to you and McBride and you guys are all kind of in that same little area and stuff now. But uh, when you did retire, you went into the, the backseat buckers program for a while, had some different ties within the PBR. Do you still uh, is there still anything that you're involved with uh, within the PBR specifically? Um, just now I, I help uh, I help Cody. He hires me on to rope bulls. Yep. So I'll go to the, to the PBR finals coming up here in a couple of weeks and I'll go out there with some about three horses and I'll be able to go help James DeBoard in the arena, which is a, uh, uh honor for me to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. And, uh, then I'll also help with the ABBI throughout the week, help them 
with the Bulls in the arena, but the Bulls are pretty trained anymore. So we'll be there more for safety reasons if we need to, me and James. So, uh, but that's been uh, a great job for me that Cody's kind of hired me on here lately to do. And, and I enjoy the hell out of that. I got a couple of horses that are going pretty decent and it's just been something that, uh, that I enjoy. And I like to rope and ride and cowboy a little bit and, and learn something new every day. And I get in that arena with James DeBoard, and I can damn sure learn something from him, something from him. And, and uh, I love everything about that. So it's been a lot of fun. One thing I was going to ask you about Ross is, is uh, your ties with, with Tom Teague. That's obviously somebody that really stands out to you. You ended up uh, naming one of your sons, I think middle name, maybe after him or first name. I'm not too sure, but what's your, what's your ties with him and what's the significance of, of him in your life? You know what? Tom Teague is is a great friend of mine. Um, I got to meet him one morning, one one lunch day, Seamus and Randy Bernard, when Randy Bernard was running the PBR. Well, Aaron Seamus and him had a lunch meeting that day, and I was room with, with Aaron that day. And, and Aaron says, get your ass up. We're going to go ahead and, and go to this. You're going to go to this lunch with me. I was like, all right, whatever. So I went to lunch and got to bullshit and hang out with Tom. And it was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, or, or – or Greensboro or somewhere. And I got to meet Tom there. And, and then from then on, just meeting him at that lunch day. And and then we seen him many other times after the bull riding or before the bull riding and around the PBR. And, and he bought a lot. He bought all the TV rights with Randy Bernard or something back in the day and and was one of the main guys on, on board with the PBR and made the PBR, you know, be successful is where we are today. I think is the reason why Tom, Tom got in there long time ago and kind of helped everything out but just being around him I was just uh he was like a father figure to me but also like just a great guy and great friend of mine and and uh I got to go hunting with him a bunch and and just uh being around him forever just was like first class he was a very first class kind of guy you know he had a he had a he had a jet and he'd fly us around to different bull ridings at times and he would always just take good care of us and and he'd take us hunting or he'd take us fishing. And, and we've been, uh, we've been down the road many times with, with Tom and just, uh, love everything about that guy. And, and I talked to him not too long ago. It was his, it was his 80th birthday there the, just the other day. So, uh, wow. uh, Randy Bernard called me and, uh, I talked to Tom and, and him both a little bit and just, uh, just being around guys like that, man, it's, and he was fun back in the day too, man. He used to try <laughs> to party with us and, shit, and he quit drinking. He quit drinking, which is a good problem, you know, his health and everything. But, you know, 15, 15 years ago or whatever, he was still going with us. And we were we were wild for a little bit, but he was fun. And, and he got to be around uh, one time he was out. We were at his place in North Carolina and, and he got a helicopter for us to go to the NASCAR race. <laughs> so Tom T. We're at Tom Teague's house. He goes, come on, boys. I ain't going to this mass car race, but I'm sending you boys. So y'all come on. It was me and Justin and Evan and, and, or uh, me, Justin and Corey and, and maybe Luke, I think. <laughs> and we were all at his house. He's like, okay, boys. He, he rolled us over there to this airport and we got on a freaking helicopter and we took a helicopter into the middle of the damn, uh, race track. You know how they do that bullshit at them big NASCAR races. Yeah. Anyways. He was very first class. He had a lot of he had a lot of pull everywhere, and uh, we were hot shit USA, buddy. Yeah. We got in there, 
that's what Tom's Teague saying was hot shit USA. <laughs> and, and it was fun, man. We got in there and, and we go in there and Anheuser-Busch was our sponsor too. And they were also Dale Earnhardt Jr. sponsor. So after the race was over, uh, they sent us to Dale Jr.'s house with, with Anheuser-Busch and Dale Jr. is a buddy of ours from back in the day. And, and uh, he invited us out there. So we stayed with Dale Jr., me and Justin and Corey and, and Luke. We stayed at Dale Jr.'s house for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> three, three days until come pick us back up. And we were part – it was after his race was over. So we went to the lake and we went to his house and we partied and we did all that fun shit and – and then we, uh, we've been buddies ever since with Dale Jr. But Tom Teague was a great connection there. And just a, a guy that was, he would always take care of us. Like he'd throw us around either with a helicopter or fly us with a jet to go hunting or somewhere or something and, and take good care of us. But we were never, I don't know. It was cool to be around him because he was always just like a, like a father figure and a best friend too. Not just a guy that was a big sponsor slash yeah. guy to, throw us around he was just a cool guy or he is a cool guy yeah. and i love everything about him and and uh and it, I, I named my first boy cooper teague coleman yeah. after oh, tom yeah. teague and uh i got all the respect in the world for tom man i love i love him to death and, and i seen i seen his boy not too long ago at, at a at a bareback riding deal i went to not too long ago lacy lacy teague and it seems like tom's family's doing good and his business is first class as always so good people right there yeah awesome. nice. okay well ross man we could uh fuck i don't know i got papers again here so we might have to to rip you back on here if you'll ever uh come back on we know you're a busy guy so i don't want to take up a bunch of of your day but uh i just wanted to say 2011 when you were when you said you got cut and you were coming up to canada i know it might have been shitty for you but it was pretty cool for me because that was my rookie year riding in canada and i got to share a locker room with you and i remember like you said when you went into the locker room with your idols and you're looking over in the corner and you see for me guys like you in the in the same locker room as me it was it was pretty intense and pretty cool feeling so uh and, and, and tanner and i'll say too like i was fighting bulls at the time and i mean i don't want to it was cool because I'd look over and I'd be like, there's, that's Ross Coleman. That's fucking you know, Ross Coleman, baby. <laughs> that's fucking Ross Coleman right there, you know? But I will say you, you were an intimidating son of a bitch, boy. When you'd walk out in front of them shoots and maybe you're strapping your hand in one and I was fighting bulls. I'm like, Jesus, Lord, don't let me fuck up this time. Cause I know this guy, he's going to chew my ass if something goes wrong. So yeah, but it was cool, man. I was sure happy to be able to run around in front of him for you. It was cool. Well, hell, man, I appreciate that so much, guys. And and to you, too, Tanner, the whole Byrne family, like you and your dad and your brother, and you guys are just all first-class bullfighters, and it just makes makes everybody happy when you're bull riding. You know you got damn good bullfighters out there. And the uh, y'all y'all know y'all know where to be and what's going on. I really appreciate everything on that deal. And, and the whole Canada deal, too, like Calgary and, and – everything that goes on up there is just so first class for rodeo and bull riding and PBR and everything. And so my hat's off to you guys for that shit. I, uh, I love everything about Calgary and, and I love everything about all the good rodeos and bull ridings up there. And I remember going to Innisfil, Alberta for the Dwayne Danes ranch road and getting around all those famous old Canadian bronc riders and, and Winston Bruce and all those badass yeah. freaking 
Calgary guys. And, and it was just like, my dad always told me, he said, if you ever want to ride bucking horses, go to Canada. And my hat's off to y'all up there, man. Cause that's the, some of the very best rodeos, if not the best rodeo going is Calgary. So my hat's off to y'all and, and thank y'all for letting me be a part of your show. And, and I love everything about it, man. Uh, well, here, I got an, I got another question for you. Have you ever been to the ranchman's? <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a great spot. Yes, sir. It's a good spot. That's a, the, the whole deal. Like everything up there in Calgary, man, it's just been like, like even that bull, that bull I rode up, what was that bull? Shiver and shake or something? Yeah. Oh yeah. He Shiver got brought up on here a few that times. Was, that was one of my highlight kind of bull rides too, you know, it was for, for a big deal up there, but. The ranchman's is so good, and Cody Snyder. I like old Cody Snyder. He's he was always good to be around, and and all the Canadian bull riders and stuff. Austin Beasley, and Kelly Armstrong had a bunch of bulls and shit going when I was up there, and it just y'all were, I don't know, y'all fit right in, and I enjoy being around it, and I love everything about the Canadian bull ridings and rodeos. Oh man, I appreciate that. Yeah, everybody up here. Will- like to hear that too that's that's wicked but uh before we get to to the end of this finish it up scott does have our infamous question well ross i just get pumped up talking to you i always liked your attitude (laughs) and uh your 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 goal you were always your motor was always running and and it definitely uh pumped up the people around you but with that being said this is the nfp podcast uh obviously we have our take on what nfp stands for we're just curious to hear what your take is on it well, I think if, if you're going to be around, uh, if you're going to be around a group of, of people that's going to be no fucking pussies, you go, you got to make sure you hang around some the right crew. So that was one thing I was lucky to be around. And, and, uh, I think for whatever I can do for my advice for the guys coming up or going on in the bull riding world or, or just life in general, just, uh, look at your company and, uh, whoever you're going to be around is probably going to be who you're going to be like. So. I highly advise probably not to be hanging around no fucking pussies. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Nice. Hey, one thing I want to ask you before you before we go, uh, we talk about Luke and how close you and Luke Snyder were. Uh, did the boys give him a bunch of shit, or how was the locker room vibe the day that he was supposed to be fucking spotting you and he let that thing pile you up and knock you up in the fucking shoots? Right, he felt pretty bad about it. <laughs> he felt pretty bad about it. I guess yes, sir. He did, but um. But that's just, I mean, shit. He, there's the last thing on anybody's mind was thinking that bull was going to fire in there like he did with me on him, especially whatever. Like, I was kind of over the top of him, and I'm a bigger guy like I am. But um, he damn sure, he damn sure felt bad about it, kind of in a little <laughs> bit. But no, nah, hell, that's just that's just bull riding for you. That's bull riding. <laughs> that's cool. Okay, Ross, man, we appreciate you. Uh, we'll have to get you back. That was that was fun. I know our. Our uh, guests or our listeners are really going to like listen to this one. That's uh, a pretty awesome one. Is there anything else, any other stories or anything you can think of that you'd, that you'd want to talk about? Just everything. And uh, I just enjoy everything about the good old re-ride stories we get to go through and, <laughs> and just know that I just know that the PBR, the way things are going in the PBR, man, I cannot tell you enough positive, good things about it. Like it's going to be the future of the PBR is just going to be amazing too, I think. And uh, it's cool to see where it's grown today. And uh, my hat's off to all these bull riders out there. They're getting on some buckers anymore. And uh, just before they nod, remember NFP. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Cool. All right, Ross, we appreciate you big time. This has been our interview 
with the legend Ross Holt. You gotta live it up.